Hello, and welcome to Recruiting and Hospitality from Caterer.com. I'm Lancelot Narayan, and in each program, we'll be inviting top names from the hospitality industry to discuss issues concerning employers. We'll be talking recruitment, development and retention, and also about matters that affect you and your teams. In this edition, we're going to be talking about women in hospitality, and with me today are... Alessandra Alonso, Chief Executive of Women in Travel CIC. Natalia Ribby, founder of Ladies of Restaurants, LOR. Thank you both very much for being here and taking part. Um, Alessandra, can I start with you? Um, can you tell me about your career uh, and how you, how you started? Yes, um, happily. So I started um, in tourism in the sector as a trainee at the European Commission. And that was totally by chance because originally I wanted to be involved with small and medium-sized enterprises, but because I spoke languages and I and they had a need for somebody in the tourist division, I ended up there. And um, after four years, um, then moved on again and ended up at KPNG, setting up their travel and tourist division as the right hand to the partner who was head of audit. So I became the face of the sector for KPNG. And it's at that point that I started to notice the lack of women um, attending meetings or really being present, you know, at the round table. So I became more interested in the whole aspect of women and glass ceiling and progression. Um, And again, being on the board of the Tourist Society at the time, I was able to uh, start a project which was sponsored by KPNG and which led to me interviewing many women who were sort of leaders in those days, including the likes of Martha Lane Fox and Sue Biggs, who was head of Cuon in the UK. And um, the outcome of those conversations was always the same. We have all the technical training we need. We don't have the mentors. We don't have the support. We don't have the networking. So it is at that point that um, I want some funding from the European Social Fund to set up a project with um, what was my co-founder at the time. Eventually um, left KPNG to set up Shine and then the Shine Awards, who were then run for six years and then taken over by People First. And so we were, and I say this with a certain amount of pride, of course, um, real trailblazer because nobody was talking about women in 2002, 2003 when we started. We had a real massive job in educating people, the industry and indeed the women that this was something worth speaking about and talking about because there were issues that needed to be dealt with. I then moved on from Shine and ended up um, founding another company, a social enterprise called Women in Travel, where I am today. Natalia, can you tell us about your career? How did you end up in hospitality? Quite naturally, to be honest. Uh, My father was a hotel manager. He's German uh, and actually was an orphan after the war. And as a a way of getting out of Germany, um, trained as a chef. And then traveled the world and became a hotel manager. And then my mother was a hairdresser and worked from home. So I was constantly like coming home from school and just having to be like, hello, 
how are you today? And being hospitable when I came home, which was annoying, to be honest. I think it trained me for a life in hospitality. When I went to college, I moved to Vienna, Austria, because I went to high school in Budapest. And uh, I worked at my godfather's wine bar, uh, basically cleaning ashtrays and not really speaking very good German. Um, And I really loved it. I loved taking care of people. And I moved to New York when I was 19 to go to finish my university and ended up working at my other godfather's restaurant, which was a Michelin starred restaurant. And then kind of went from there all around New York, changing restaurants every year. And I really loved my job, tasting wine. And I loved eating different food and learning different cultures. And, and it's such an amazing world you actually can fall into. And unfortunately, that is the case. People fall into hospitality as opposed to pursuing it as a career when it comes to the front of house side of things. It's about changing perceptions, isn't it? And, 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 and making people understand there are viable careers in hospitality. Exactly. And that is exactly how Ladies of Restaurants started, which was my own selfish feeling that when I was a 20-something, you know, working as a, a woman or man, I think, but, but more as a woman, in hospitality in New York and feeling this sort of lack of support for the hospitality industry to be promoted as a viable career option, as you just said. Uh, and yeah, I, I wanted women to feel like, you know, this is a great career this, and, you, and you don't have to be in the kitchen and you also don't have to be on the floor, which is something I didn't know. Like you can go into communications or HR or accountancy if you're really good with numbers, which I am not. Um, and just to be able to talk about all the different avenues in a really fun and encouraging environment. And that's where I am now. Alessandra, you had a a steady career progression, as you've just told us. Were there many challenges that you had to overcome on your way to where you are now? Um, Well, yes. I guess that although I perhaps didn't quite realise in those days because the enthusiasm and the, you know, blue-eyed approach um, stopped me from seeing any anything negative, I was so excited um, about what I was doing. Um, in reality, uh, with hindsight, I, I know now that as a sort of mid to late 20s Italian sort of, you know, blonde girl, um, I was often uh, considered by the people around me as either the one who was, you know, making the teas and taking the notes. So often I was asked, where is the boss? And actually I was the boss or, um, you know, being whisked around the world. um, I remember particularly with the WTTC, we were doing some really high profile things, going to the World Economic Forum in Davos, sitting next to Mandela and, you know, Jane Fonda, which is like, oh, my God, was it really me now (laughs) that I think about it? But you you were constantly um, feeling that people were judging you and were expecting to see somebody else in your place. So in that sense, absolutely, um, you know, the challenges were there for me to see. And and I guess, you know, these challenges still exist today. Um, As a woman sort of uh, owner, as a woman who works in the sector, although there is a much greater awareness of the issue, 
I am not sure that, you know, we are all that much better when it comes to the biases. Perhaps they are less you know, overt, you know, they are slightly more hidden, but the challenges are still there. So um, convincing people that I knew what I was talking about, that age had nothing to do with my ability to deliver on whatever project, and that actually um, they should just think about the outcome of what I was doing and judge me on the basis of the results was quite a challenge. Natalia, where do you believe problems in hospitality exist mainly today? What what problems are, are women facing? I don't think there's necessarily problems in hospitality. I think it's a lack of uh, mentors and a lack of, of visibility in um, mainstream media because you can't be what you can't see. So if I pick up an issue of a glossy magazine, you, you often find women working in politics, working in fashion, working in technology, <clears throat> working in all fields, basically, except hospitality. And the the storyline of a chef, of a female chef, has become a lot more popular, but that's about it. And I think um, driving home that this as a viable career, career option is the, the biggest problem. Um, and seeing female leaders in you know, lead hospitality roles is a problem. You don't see them basically. Like Zuleika Fennell is the, the MD for Corbin and King. How would you know that a female is the MD for Corbin and King? No one's talking about it enough. Um, so I think visibility is the biggest issue. Obviously, it's also a, it's, you know, hospitality, it's, it's old school. It's, you know, working in restaurants, it's a, you know, old boy's job, and it it has always been very male-driven. So I think we're seeing the end of the the old-school era, as I like to call it, which I think swept a lot of sexual harassment under the rug and the customer-is-always-right sort of mentality. And we are seeing that shift and change, and that's helping women who work in hospitality. But for the most part, visibility, I think, is the biggest issue. I think also, Natalia, I would absolutely agree with you. I think the, you know, the lack of visibility and the lack of mentors was one of the reasons why we started all those years ago the Shine Awards to give the role models to provide visibility so that women could look up and say there are people, there are women doing great things out there. And still today, there is absolutely a need for that. I would say that you know, with awareness over the years has come also a desire to do more women giving back to other women through mentoring, for example, UK Hospitality launching, you know, the mentoring, the Plan B mentoring recently. Um, and also the new generation, what I find is that there are a lot of women out there doing great things, but generally, as it is with women, they are to do too busy doing great things to think about, should I shout about what I'm doing? So in that sense, absolutely, there is a need of visibility because there are younger generation chef and, you know, hospitality ladies who are perhaps doing something a little bit off the beaten track. Also in social enterprising, there is a lot of food and, you know, social enterprise sort of collaboration. And there are many women out there. I know of many women in black and 
Asian minority ethnic, we've just launched a division that is BAME Women in Travel specifically to address their needs for support and visibility. So I think it's also about looking slightly outside the mainstream and thinking what are doing, what what are the great things that people, that women are doing on the fringe and bringing them up to, you know, to, for everyone to see. Um. Justine Roberts, uh, Mumsnet founder, recently said uh, in an an interview, um, all the evidence shows that women take a considerable career hit when they become mothers, falling behind in both wages and seniority. Now, what would you say about that? Natalia, first, is that a statement that you would agree with? Uh, absolutely. And it's a humongous topic for ladies of restaurants this year. I, I've been spending a lot of time um, personally being a, a approaching 34 year old woman, considering considering having my own children. <clears throat> Becoming a mum in the hospitality sector is, you know, a humongous in, in any sector is it is a humongous uh, milestone for any woman because you are sacrificing so much of your freedom and and working in hospitality, whether you do work on the floor or in an office job, becomes you know this big thing you have to consider. Maternity leave and paternity leave. I don't want to leave the dads out because we need to be discussing this a lot more. Is a huge issue in hospitality. We don't consider it, and we don't take into account what it's going to do to a woman's confidence when she has to leave the workforce and then re-enter it. And we're not facilitating how a woman does remove herself just for a short time. How do we make them feel like they're still a part of the work community? We spend so much of our lives at work. And yet when it comes to a woman becoming a mother, we don't consider like that work-life balance. Um, so it, it's a humongous discussion point that needs to be talked about so much more. Hospitality is such its own beast. We need to have a specific support network for mums and dads so that they can be able to re-enter the, the workforce. And also companies need to take that into account. Like I know that I, I, keep, I hate to keep bringing them up. But I know Corbin and King did a special reach out to working working mothers saying, if you want to come work for us, you can just come and work like 10 to 2. So after you drop your child off at daycare and then you can leave to go pick them up, you know, because we need to be more considerate. And that's how we're going to see more women come back and not leave hospitality as a job entirely. Uh, And we also need to be matching that 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 salary. Like, as you said, women are taking a, a a salary cut when they become a parent. And why is that? Daycare in London is, I mean, I think it's like, it's something ridiculous, like 900 pounds or a thousand pounds a month. More than that. More than you have children, obviously, or like, it's ridiculous. How are you supposed to go back to like, you're essentially going back to work just to pay for that. If you are a parent, let alone a single parent. And, yeah, it just, it's a huge topic for me. I have so much to say. I could just like rant and rant and rant. <laughs> well, let me bring Alessandra in. Alessandra, how do we overcome these problems? <clears throat> so I think in, I mean, first of all, I agree with absolutely everything Natalia said. Um, 
myself, I'm mother of, of two boys and it's a constant struggle because on the one hand, you want to be there for them. On the other, you are doing something that you are totally passionate about and you've worked very hard for. The industry has to be a lot more creative in the way it recruits, um, retain and develops its staff and its workforce, and particularly when it comes uh, to women and women returners. So it's inevitable that it's going to be increasingly difficult and challenging to recruit into hospitality, into travel, into tourism, into the sector at large for all sorts of reasons, you know, not being able to rely on the foreign talent workforce that has been steadily coming in in the last two decades and needing, therefore, to look at who is already here, who is available and inevitably having to adapt to them in order to incorporate that talent. Now, that to me, in a way, it's a no-brainer because... Um, it's about knowledge that you don't want to get um, lost by losing the employee who's been with you. And it's also to do with the fact that women, and I can talk, um, you know, on my two decades of experience working with women now and with women in travel running our own women returners program, although it, we are specifically looking at marginalized women. Um, the fact is that women who are supported by employers are extremely loyal, are extremely dedicated. And you can be absolutely um, you know, sure that if you support a woman returning into work, giving her the flexibility that she needs, in return, this woman will do absolutely everything she needs to do and will go the extra mile for the employer. And I just think oftentimes women, you know, becoming a mom becomes a sort of bad thing. Like, oh, she, you know, she has to leave early to prep the kids. And it's this disdain. And we, we have to change the dialogue around it entirely. Like you're raising a child. You're not like going off to the pub to get pissed, you know. And if you look at what the Scandinavian countries do. Obviously, we have a lot to learn. Even, you know, very recently I was watching a, one of those little snippets of videos from the World Economic Forum. You know, they give all the nice case studies. And, you know, you are talking about a completely different world, free childcare, 30 hours a week and three years of maternity and paternity leave and your place is, is secured. I mean, possibly not everything is going to work here, but certainly there is a lot that hasn't been considered. And it would be, you know, it, it makes commercial sense to me to look into it. OK, let's 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 get to that. Uh, Natalia, tell me about the work of Ladies of Restaurants. Um, th- you've touched on the origins of it, but I'd like to know more about the organisation and what it does to help women in hospitality. Uh, LOR is a, an evolving beast. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, it was set up selfishly as a network that I wish was around when I was in my 20s to basically make me feel more confident about my my path in hospitality. And now we we have sort of a, a light infrastructure that is constantly changing. Um, it uh, we, we put on networking events, which I think allow for the hospitality community to network with each other. And oftentimes out of that, you'll find... Um, young women and and tenured women in the hospitality industry connecting and, again, doing exactly as I wish I had 
um, making women feel more confident about working in hospitality. We also have done quite a few training events, so uh, furthering women's education around a specific topic that is uh, about hospitality, um, but in a really accessible and fun and sometimes silly kind of way. I like to have sort of a light tone of voice around ladies of restaurants because it is hospitality and we are talking about people. And I think it's important that the people who do work in it do feel like they're a person as well. I get so many messages on Instagram or private emails, just um, either venting or sharing a story or asking for help, um, whether that's around asking for a bigger salary or dealing with sexual harassment. That happens a lot, um, which is really sad. And I still can't believe I, I get them. I'm so, I'm so lucky, I feel, that women have trusted me with these amazing heart heartbreaking stories of them and the issues that they're dealing with um i i still can't believe it sometimes i read them and i obviously get very upset because i just can't believe that ladies of restaurants has allowed them to be to have an outlet and i think that's what it's become it's not only networking and connecting women but it's an outlet for women who work in hospitality to to share their unfortunate situations their fears and ask for help Alessandra, tell me about the hospitality aspect of women in travel. How do you help women into work? How does the whole organisation work? So we have a, um, a very clear and focused social mission. Being a social enterprise, we are a commercial company that reinvests all its profit into the social mission. So whatever we do, we focus it on empowering women through employability and entrepreneurship in travel, tourism and hospitality. So whether you are working in an hotel, in a restaurant, in a travel agent or at a venue or in a, within a tourism destination context, we can support you. And how? We run ultimately three programs. One is around fostering and promoting female entrepreneurship across the sector because there aren't enough women entrepreneurs as there are, um, let alone in tourism and hospitality. Um, particularly in the UK, we are especially behind many other countries in the world, even those that you wouldn't think of. Um, the second programme which we run is the BAME Women in Travel, which we've recently launched. And again, this is focused specifically on black and Asian ethnic minority women, um, giving them a voice, articulating opportunities specifically for them. And the third one, which is really uh, relevant to this podcast and conversation, is the Women Returners. So we... Um, identify and select women who are cross-referred to us from a variety of sources, mainly charities, but also other women. These women are not currently engaged with the economy. They are not in employment, but have, we identify them as having the right mindset and the right uh, frame of mind, really, to work in hospitality and tourism. We put them through a training that is split between three days on coaching, employability and confidence and understanding also the travel and tourism and hospitality industry and two days meeting employers. 
So what you often find is that women who come in on the Monday who have very little self-esteem, have lost their confidence, are not in work by Friday, have had training, have met employers, have become part of a support network, a small group of women who are like them, and have had interviews and sometimes have a job by the Monday. So that is really amazing and is what really kicks me out of bed every morning because um, you are changing lives and you are changing lives through a sector that is so inherently um, right for so many women and yet these women are invisible because they don't have the confidence and the network to knock at the employer's door. They also don't want to go through the same level of competition and stress that you might go through in a normal interview process. So the fact that the employers come to them, give them this sense of security and confidence that the employers understand and wants to be there. And it's amazing. We've placed, you know, Syrian refugees in reservations. We've placed sexually trafficked women in reception, in hotels. Um, we've placed um, women in finance, in five stars hotel in London. And, you know, the program is growing quite fast. Soon, um, hope, hoping by the end of the year we'll be also out of London. We are also uh, trying to collaborate with the Equality Commission who has um, published funding rounds for women returners specifically, so we put some proposal in. And so what we are seeing is that more and more employers are coming to us saying, I hear about your project, it's, you know, it's great from a social impact it looks like you also have some great talent that I don't have access to. How can we work together? So hopefully this is something that if any woman who is listening to this podcast feels like they want to access, by all means, contact us, contact us at Women in Travel and contact me. Okay. Now, if you take a look at the list of the most powerful people in hospitality, it's still very male-dominated. So, Natalia, moving forward into the future what changes would you like to see happen what can what can we do uh, as an industry to to even that balance i think that alessandra touched on it with, with the confidence i think a lot of the time women unfortunately do lack confidence i don't want to put anyone in a box men or women but oftentimes men will look at a job description and see one thing they can do and apply for it. Whereas women will see one thing they can't do and it will hinder them. And I think emp empowering women to believe in themselves is a humongous thing that we need to do in, in any industry. Um, and I know as we have also touched on heavily in this, in this conversation is about, mothers and women returning to work and i think i think we need to start to shift the traditional way in which hospitality people work you know that this brigadier system in kitchens and uh shift work unfortunately it, it might not be able to sustain itself if we, if we want to see more women in the workforce um we need to be a bit more sensitive and caring and get rid of that old school mentality of like, oh, you have to work 60 hours a day and you should be really tired. And that's just what it means to be in hospitality because it's not what it means to be in hospitality. 
to work in hospitality, you have to care about people and yes, work hard, but it shouldn't, shouldn't mean a ridiculous amount of hours or staying out till 3am. And it should mean, you know, being good at your job. We need to be considerate of that. I was recently at uh, an hospitality event where Prue Lee was speaking and she said something that really stuck with me. She said, um, you know, I'm so glad that the whole culture of the kitchen is changing because clearly you can't learn if you are scared. And that to me really resonated because often there is this idea that particularly, you know, the kitchen environment is so pressurized and so scary, so macho dominated. But yet um, that prevents people from developing because you don't have the chance to think outside the box. You don't have the chance to try new things just because you are too scared of the reaction. It's a big part of what women want as well. One of the things that I love about working in a restaurant Obviously, I haven't worked in a restaurant for some years now, but one of the things I loved was that sort of like high pressure drama volume, like, oh, every day was different and it was a bit like crazy every time you went in the kitchen. I don't necessarily want that to change entirely, but I just think as, you know, as Prue so beautifully stated, exactly, you can't learn if you're scared. And I think that for me, even I didn't, I never went into the kitchen. I took every job under the sun in a restaurant. I never went into the kitchen because of fear. And so I just think that the climate needs to change and, you know, within the hospitality industry, um, you know, we all need to adjust and everyone is adjusting. I think that, you know, we've touched on it very lightly um, in terms of diversity. I think it's a very privileged industry. It's a very heavily I'm going to say it, white industry, and we need to be aware of that. And how do we open these doors for women, but also for other, you know, cultures and people to know that this is something they can live and work and strive in. Um, And it is, I think it is that fear. And as I said earlier, a lack of, of visibility. We need to be talking about this more as a career and showcasing women who and men who are doing great things in every aspect, not just the kitchen. Like I think people in development has become a humongous aspect of so many hospitality um, companies. It's not just called HR anymore. It's called people and development because it is about focusing on people and developing them and taking away that fear. Businesses are doing uh, a lot more to um, develop and retain uh, their talent in the hospitality business. Do you think government could be doing more? I have this, like, in my mind, I'm going to, like, pitch to the government, um, <laughs> like, a whole scheme. Because I think that in schools, we could be you know, tapping into an amazing, like, we could be teaching children from, and the government should be involved in that. And I think also with, like, the childcare thing, like, I want to pitch to the government to help with childcare. Like we, we just, yeah, sorry. I, I'm, I'm going to go on a rant if you don't stop me. So please do, please do. <laughs> no, I just, I think government is missing out on like a, a humongous opportunity to help support and uh, create jobs and a safe, uh, an amazing safe, safe platform for people to jump into 
and I, I, yeah, I wish I, I don't work in government, obviously. I do work for a children's charity, so I often get to dip my toe in. And, but it would probably take years. I'd probably be dead before anything went through. I mean, look at Brexit. Look how long that's taking. Alessandra? I want to play devil's advocate. I mean, I do agree with what Natalia has just said, but I also want to say that sometimes, maybe often is a better word, the industry does itself a disservice by not necessarily coming up with a very strong and united message to the to the government. So I suppose because I'm from the WTTC school, I see travel, tourism, hospitality events as a big sort of pot where or, or a big chain in which every subsector is a ring of this chain and they can't really survive without each other. And what surprised me very much is that often there is still quite a silo mentality and that in a way dilutes the impact of any message to government. To give you quite, a, quite an interesting example, what I realised training the women on the uh, returners programme is that even for them, um, when you talk about hospitality or travel and tourism, you know, the things that comes to mind is chambermaid and waitressing. And so one of the things actually that we've realized is that through the program, not only we are giving them skills, but we are open, we are opening their mind to the wealth of opportunity and variety that Natalia also mentioned right at the beginning of this conversation. And so, again, the message isn't quite out there yet about the importance of the sector how the sector all connects, about the variety of jobs and about the opportunity, as well as asking, you know, of things to the government. It's about how the industry represents itself and the profile. I think that is a, a that is a big a big issue still. I also want to play devil's advocate for what you just said because, uh, you know, being a waitress is not a bad thing. Like being a certain as I like to call it, a server, uh, is a stepping stone. Oh, uh, no, 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 absolutely not. But what I mean is that, you know, oh, if so somebody might say to me, but I've worked in finance in the past, why would I come on this program? And I say, well, because there are plenty of opportunity to use your financial skills in travel, tourism or hospitality, whether you are in an hotel or whether you are in a travel agent. And people don't still don't make that connection. Exactly. But I think it's also about changing that dialogue around being a waitress. I think it gets such a terrible connotation. To be honest, if I could be a waitress for the rest of my life, I would be. I really would. It's the best job ever. And I think that we need to, it starts with that. It starts with that job, being a waitress. You know, or being a kitchen porter. So many amazing chefs started as a kitchen porter. Absolutely. You need yeah. to start there. And one of the best pieces of advice I was ever given, I was an intern at Elle magazine, quickly realized fashion was not for me uh, in New York. And one of the editors said, never be bigger than your job. She said, no matter how big I get, I will always do the small job. I will always, always, always. I think if you're going to work in hospitality, you need to be a server. You need to be a KP because you need to know how everything works. You need to have respect for that position because it is a great job. And if you don't do that job, you will never actually understand 
the, the career you've entered into as a whole. And it's the same with, with any job. Like you have to start somewhere. I just really want us to change that dialogue and that connotation around being a waitress. I'm sorry, you obviously like hit a trigger with me. I just, <laughs> I, I hate that how people automatically, you know, I, I got a letter the other day from a, a woman who sent me a rant about how oftentimes people will say, she's an assistant general manager at a restaurant in London. She'll say, people will say to her, so what's your real job? Are you studying? And then it's like, no, this is my real job. Uh, absolutely. But, but, but then, but then you are agreeing with me that the industry is not doing a good enough job in putting forward the, the ideas and the views that, you know, a job in hospitality is a career in hospitality and that, you know, every aspect of their job it sort of implies skills, implies expertise and gives you opportunity. I mean, you could be a waitress all your life if you want, or you could, you know, change from there and go up and become a restaurant manager, whatever. So to me, the issue is... Alexander, if I, I can't issue with the hospitality industry. I don't think the hospitality industry is doing itself a disservice because they're not not saying it. I think they are saying it. I think it's society needs a serious cultural shift in seeing it. And that's, you know, is going to be a group effort from the hospitality industry. But I think that they are doing that. I, I don't I disagree that they're not doing it. They are trying. But like we're talking about particularly in the UK, which, you know, culturally is still very classist. I mean, hello, royals. Like, you know, so we're Absolutely. talking about, you know, centuries of trying to shift the mentality that working, you know, upstairs, downstairs, you know, that, that, that's going to take a really long time. And I think it's groups like yours and mine and the caterer and, you know, uh, you know, other, all these different hospitality outlets that are pushing this conversation forward. But, you know, it's going to take time. I tell you what, Natalia, with less and less people coming from abroad to take that job, I bet it's going to be happening much faster now, whether, whether you know, this country likes it or not. They are going to have to come around the idea. And maybe, you know, by forcing it onto them, actually, you know, things will, uh, will improve by default. One can hope. It's been a fascinating conversation. It really has. Um, and I want to thank you both for taking part. You're very welcome. Thank you. Now, Natalia, if people want to get in touch with uh, Ladies of Restaurants, how do they do that? Uh, follow us on Instagram at Ladies of Restaurants. Uh, I check all the messages, so please drop us a line there. Or you can email us, uh, ladies at ladiesofrestaurants.com. We've got a website, ladiesofrestaurants.com. So, yeah, but I'd say both of those. Sign up to our newsletter. We're always doing events somewhere in the world. Thank you. Alessandra? So, we also have a website, which is www.womenintravelcic.com. On it, you will find that you can sign up for our newsletter. You can send me an email, Alessandra, A-L-E-S-S-A-N-D-R-A, at womenintravelcic.com. We also have BAME, B-A-M-E, at womenintravelcic.com and returners at womenintravelcic.com. We are quite strong on Twitter at WTM Women and we also have Instagram, Women in Travel CIC, 
and we run loads of events in London, but also internationally on all the World Travel Market platform if you attend. Um, so please do get in touch. And again, uh, we answer every message and we look forward to hearing from you. Thank you both for taking part. And I hope you enjoyed listening and found the conversation useful. Please do follow us on Twitter at Caterer.com. That's Caterer, D-O-T-C-O-M. Likewise on Instagram. And also be sure to check out our blog, which is blog.caterer.com. And you can also search for us on LinkedIn. Be sure to join us next time on Recruiting in Hospitality from caterer.com. I'm Lancelot Narayan. Bye-bye.